0: Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. With your host, Steve Katarzy. I tell you what, we're on a bit of a roll here at Adam Nation because we keep landing the great guests. And coming up is probably one of the biggest so far today, and his name is Brett Contreras. Now, Brett is known as the glute guy, and his work around helping transform people's appreciation for glute work, both men and women, has been outstanding. So you're gonna hear from Brett, and for the first half an hour, we're gonna kind of understand him a little bit more, and understand his kind of lack of scarcity mindset, how he cares about helping people about being right, not leading people up the wrong path, and some of the hate he gets for his popularity. And then we move into the more Q&A part of the discussion where we group together questions from our audience to pose towards Brett. And there's five of them, they are gonna be, how do you help women address stubborn fat around glutes and thighs? Question two, how do we help with glutes and thigh recomposition, and is it even possible? Number three, Brett's view on cardio, you know, such a steady state and running. Question four, what about if people struggle with glute activation and sensation when they train? And the last question, what are Brett's key fundamentals to achieving body and physique that people are happy and satisfied with? This is a great, great episode, guys. I hope you enjoy it and please make sure you check out Brett's content online once you've finished enjoy. Guys, super excited today. I have someone who I have been following for the last couple of years join us. Uh, It took a little while but we are blessed to have this gentleman on the line. Let me first of all set the scene. So the person on the call today is first and foremost, a sports scientist. Um, and he's done many studies and delivered a lot of value to the space over the over the years. He's an author of a best-selling book, and he's an online writer. He's produced a book called Strong Curves and hundreds of online articles. He's an inventor, both of exercises and exercise tools, the, the most notorious being the hip thrust and the hip thruster, as well as uh, a tool called the T-bell, and he's popularized many Uh, long forgotten exercises such as the Nordic curl and straddle lifts. He's most famous for being known as the glute guy and inspiring hundreds of 1000s of women to train with purpose in the gym. He's got his own gym in San Diego called the glute lab. And he coaches hundreds of people online but more importantly, he's got reach and scale. Uh, this gentleman has over 500,000 followers just on Instagram alone, and that's excluding his other online presence. The gentleman we're talking about is Brett Contreras. Hey, Brett, how you doing, man? Wow,
1: I think I need to hire you as my hype man. You did a great <laughs> job there. <laughs>
0: Uh, Well, listen, I'm not finished. I'm not finished. The thing thing I wanted to close on and then pass the mic over to you, Brett, was um, this is what I appreciate about you. Um, What I love about your work is that you are an open book. My wife says the same thing. You're you're incredibly honest. And that comes through in spades in the stuff that you put online. You're gracious with your time. Um, I've heard amongst uh, the, the many podcasts I've heard you on is that you believe in reciprocity. I, you know, helping people, supporting people, supporting people that are beneath you uh, in terms of status or scale, and there's a real sense of care and a lack of scarcity mindset of wanting to fight for your position. I think you've popularised strength training for women in a way which is probably the most um, obvious out of all the leaders in this space. And lastly you've materially contributed to strength training. And I think today, if you stopped and put your hat down now, uh, you will be remembered for the work that you've done and you have left already a legacy. And I'm, I just yeah, I'm blown away with the work you've done your work ethic and the value you've provided. And uh, I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation today. man. But Brett, correct all the things I've just said wrong and maybe fill in a few gaps. Does that does that kind of resonate with you in terms of the summary? (laughs) <laughs> you just
1: threw a million compliments my way so yes you were right on the head with everything you know. <laughs> um, I like I like that you um, you drew attention t- to the you know abundance versus scarcity mindset because I've always tagged so many people and you know shared reshared and you know when I first started blogging that's back when we had a b- blog rolls uh, <laughs> remember those days we had blog rolls and you had all the people you followed on the right-hand column of your own blog. And then, um, I had a, like a good reads of the week and good views of the week where I just, you know, promote every art, every good article I read and every good video I watched. And, and, uh, you know, I never was like, I see so many people, um, that just, that they, they, they're so afraid to, it's like, they think, Oh, if I promote this per like, if I promote your podcast, people are gonna go to you and figure out what you're all about and spend money on you and not on me. Or if I um, promote this person, why would they want my services? Why would not they just go with this person? Or, um, or just, you know, even as a personal trainer, like, I'm not gonna teach them the secrets or the, the, the principles of strength and conditioning because I want them dependent upon me. I've always had the opposite attitude, like, look, how rare is it that a client trains with you for 10 years? You usually, you've got, you know, you've got some that stick around, but a lot of times they're they're in and out of there within six months, so I've got several months to teach them as much as possible so that they can train themselves. And they don't leave you, they just, <laughs> the better job you do, the more they come to appreciate you, and, I mean, heck, half of my glue squad members now have their own they're doing their own little glute squads at their gyms. And I, I like it. I think it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. It's, you know, spreading the wealth and that's uh, the people who, you know, that you see a lot of trolling, a lot of negative people, a lot of people on, on online to just be negative and rain on people's parades and especially YouTube, YouTube's the worst, uh-huh. but uh, those people don't get anywhere. And I, I wish I could grab these kids and these, especially these boys that just troll and rip on everyone and, gr- and pick them up and shake them and say, this is not the way to succeed. Tr- trust me. You know, I, I, I never go online ever. You know, I, I follow, I try and follow people like on Instagram that I know and care about. And I, I try to every day log on and say like five kind things, even if it's like, wow, good job, man. Nice, nice lift or like good form or wow, you look great. Something like that, where I'm just trying to be positive because I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, like the, the, the thing about karma, it's like, I don't think it's some mystical thing. I think it's just people like being around positive people. And if you're positive and fun and, uh, enjoyable to be around then then everyone it, good things are going to fall your way because everyone wants to hang around you everyone wants people want to employ you people want to want you in their life and and do, doors open for you that wouldn't wouldn't have happened if if you were negative so i appreciate you saying that about me
0: no well you're welcome man and it it comes a fruit it comes through in spades if i'm honest that that comfort that you have in sharing your presence on the internet with others. And I think you must make people's days on a daily basis, you know, reposting or putting people on your stories or saying kind words about others. And let's face it, it is not hurting your brand, it is not taken away from what you do. And uh, and as you say, um, enabling people to be self sufficient is really what they want from you. They don't want to be they don't want to be hooked on your stuff forever, like heroin, and feel the need that they can't escape from your hold and paying you money every week and every month. They want to feel enabled to go about doing their thing without you. And when you have the comfort and the confidence to know that's what you're doing, as you say, there's this this, um, beautiful thing where people just want to stay put once you've delivered real value and you're not trying to keep your secret sauce close to your chest, man. So listen, I really appreciate that.
1: You know, just to elaborate on that, I, I, I'm i lucky in that I was a teacher before I was in the fitness industry. So for six years, I taught high school math. But I also got my master's degree in curriculum instruction. So I'm a teacher. I'm here to teach people what I know and what I've learned. And I feel guilty if I don't teach people stuff every week. Like, <clears throat> I don't want to just post shirtless selfies even if i looked like a greek god i wouldn't just rely on those. i would try to educate and um and so it, it, you know that's why you know when i when i train people i'll t- be teaching them and i'll quiz them i'll be like what's this exercise called what muscles does it work things like that and what what kind of pattern is it and then i teach them how to design good programs because you know or like why we're doing things and, and how, so they 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 don't I mean, I don't think you have a greater rate of people leaving you, but a lot of times they, they leave you and you're like, I'm like, ah, they'll be back. And they, they come back. They go give other trainers a try and they miss you and they come back to you. So, And I also want my clients to try other people's systems. Hell, I tried everything. That's how I got so experienced is I tried every program imaginable. So you shouldn't be insulted if a client wants to train with someone else you should just hope that they pick someone uh, someone legit. But uh, another, another thing kind of along the same lines that I try to do every day, I pick one random person, uh, like one or two random people from my stories. And I try and do this every night. And they'll ask me some question and I'll film them like, like 20 straight stories talking in video fashion where I answer their question in depth. And send it back to them, and I, I can imagine them just being like, "Wow, I didn't expect that <laughs> him to completely like de- dedicate you know a, a lot of his time to answering my question in depth." And that we need more of that stuff in the world. Uh, if more people just operated without such greed and without such uh, you know uh, just trying to help others and, and make make someone's day, it would be a better place. So I wish we all thought that way.
0: Hey, man, you're a force for good. Listen, so um, before we we transition to the, the bulk of this discussion, which by the way, I'm hoping will be a bit of a and a So I, I've um, spent some time with people close to me as well as the people following our uh, adaptation. We've got a few questions that kind of extend the work that you're already doing and answer some answer some, um puzzlers that people have. But before we do that, Brett, I just wanted to um, put a sense of scale to the work that you do today. So could you could you for the audience, the people that have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, could you give them a sense of the impact that you've had and some metrics in terms of reach or engagement or clients worked with or yeah, just to put some numbers to maybe your book sold or anything that will give us a sense that you know, you're a big player here. You're you not just some random PT. I've picked up the phone, too. You
1: know, well, I think the thing I'm most um, proud of is uh, everyone thinks that this barbell hip thrust has been around forever. And you'll see people make these comments like, no one invented anything. The hip thrust has been around forever. No, it hasn't. You can't find a single picture or video clip of anyone doing barbell hip thrust before me. I thought to myself, from this point forward, my whole life is going to change. I'm going to devote the rest of my life to trying to make this exercise popular and give get the attention it deserves. And uh, and that's what I've done. And so you see people in the gym hip thrusting. I'm the person who thought that up. And I thought it up, you know, 12 and a half years ago. And uh, it's been a wild ride. I've had, you know, I had to get published in the best websites. I had to be blogging. I had to publish research. I got my PhD in sports science and um, you know, I've spoken at like, you know, the national conferences at like for NSCA and things like that. I've, I've worked my butt off to try to get this public. And now it's being performed all over the world in every country. You know, it's everywhere. I go to gyms around the world and I see people hip thrusting. Little do they know that came from my, that came from my garage gym when I lived in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I changed the face of glute training. Before I came along, it was just do your squats, do your lunges, do your, de- do your Romanian deadlifts, uh, and that was it. You, you didn't do body weight for glutes. They were too light, and lightweight was thought to not produce any muscle. Bands were for sissies. You know, these floor exercises were like for aerobics, like Jane Fonda, they didn't build muscle. Uh, you didn't do abduction movements. You didn't do the seated hip abduction machine. You didn't do cable kickbacks. Glute ridges and hip thrusts didn't exist um, unless they were with body weight. Uh, and back extensions were done for the lower back. Uh, and I figured out a way to hit the glutes more with them by rounding the upper back and turning the feet out. And um, basically it's just been a, a an ongoing process to advance glute training and now it's totally different now. Now you see all these people on Instagram who fancy themselves as glute experts and they teach, uh, you know, <laughs> little of these people though. Almost all this stuff they're showing is, I, I'm the one who thought it up. And I, I know that sounds conceited, but um, I'm very proud of that. I, that. That's my best metric is that my the, the methods I came up with are now being performed by millions of people around the world, and that's not an exaggeration, millions, millions of people. So that's my greatest success. And I, when I, when I started, I didn't care about money. When I started blogging and started the fitness industry, money was just, you know, I need enough to survive. I want to spread my methods. So I was giving out free content. I was blogging four times a week, posting a YouTube video every week, posting on social media every day, you know, meeting the you know, playing the politics, meeting the right people, shaking their hands, having conversations with them, you know, uh, and and it's paid off. And so now, uh, you know, I work with a ton of people. I've got a lot of members at my gym. I've got a lot of members from my online portals and uh, platforms. I've got um, tons of people I work with, but. To me the best metric, the, the proof is is in the fact that people are doing this around the world and I'm so happy about that because I feel like the hip thrust is a very safe exercise when you do it right. And if people prioritize that in their training, they'll see you know, great results with developing glutes without the injuries associated with some of the other exercises. Um, so that's my most, you know, my 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 greatest achievement.
0: Here, here, but Brett, um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of the movement itself and I can attest to the fact that you see hip thrusts um, in everyone's program, you see it across the internet on anyone that wants to show off their workouts, it has absolutely been popularized within kind of female training within the gym uh, and it's moved, it's, I think, moved the ball forward in terms of promoting and motivating women to get into the weights area. And just speaking to my wife, I mean, I've asked her what she enjoys about training generally. And the one muscle group or series of exercises she enjoys most, and it's not just about the result it achieves, it's more around enjoyment in the moment, is glute work. She loves the abductions. She loves the thrusts. She loves all those kind of movements because they're taxing, they're demanding, but they're not overly fatiguing. And you do get a good sense of connection with that muscle. So, yeah, I, I think it's brought a lot more enjoyment as well as results, as well as changing the face of how people think about programming for leg development. So, here, here, Brett. Uh, I, I,
1: I look at, as of right now, I'm not even verified on Twitter. I don't have that blue check mark. And I'm like, I'm, I think I've changed the fitness industry more so than anyone in the last three decades besides, uh, uh, besides, uh, Greg Glassman, you know, with CrossFit. Okay. I, and, and I think, uh, you know, people who really made a difference. Yes. There's people with way more followers and of course guys like Arnold. But Arnold did that in like the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s. But I'm talking about, I guess I should say the last 10 to 20 years. I I think, you know, heck, like I said, glute training is completely different now. Some people would say it's for the worse. I'd say it's way for the better. Some people, it's funny, I listen to (laughs) some of my old time heroes, like these bodybuilders I used to worship when I was younger. And it's so funny, they bash hip thrusts and some of them. I heard a podcast podcast the other day where some of them were like, "Why would you just want to get this big, big, big butt with without the legs to accompany it?" And um, and it just it cracked me up that all my guys I used to you know, like read all their columns and on the muscle magazines when I was fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old, and now they're now they hate me and hate my exercise. <laughs>
0: People but, uh, some people just don't like change, right? <laughs>
1: that's what I think. They don't like change. And they also get, there's a huge jealousy component, you know, like, I mean, I, I, as a strength coach, uh, uh, you know, I'm a proud CSCS with distinction. Uh, I, I take a lot of pride in my, my CSCS. And so yes, I program differently than like CrossFit, but I, what CrossFit CrossFit has done for the world is amazing. And the strength coaches hate CrossFit uh, largely. Like in general, strength coaches tend to hate CrossFit. What the heck's the problem? Like they got a bunch of people enjoying weight training. And I I, I get it, like a lot of it stems from the the initial like CrossFit fail videos on YouTube, but it's it's evolved. And so I think it was just jealousy. I think people hate when things get popular. Uh, I've spoken to some colleagues. It's like when we had, you know, 100,000 followers everyone loved us and we were, we flew under the radar and and then you to get to 200 and 300 and then and then you start getting really really popular and the, a lot of those same people hate you and they think they think you've gotten too big for your britches and it's like I haven't changed I'm the same guy I, I always was I I my schedule doesn't change my my goals don't change but I think there's a lot of jealousy and I'm I'm pretty much the only guy who's at, in the industry who's popularized and exercised to this extent. And I get a lot of hate for it. I have to deal with God for a while. It was, it was like every single day. someone you know, I'd get some, some guy who wrote a post or a, an article or made a YouTube video and they were just bashing me, bashing the hip throws, calling me a frog, calling me all sorts of names. Um, and even now it still happens. I just, I have to respond to this journal article that this guy wrote that, Misrepresented my stuff, and I tried reaching out to the guy, and he just blocks me. And it's like, uh, it's pretty sad that I, I well, I, I didn't know I would have to deal with that when I first invented the hip thrust. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna do some, you know, like EMG research on it, and then I'll try and publish some studies on it. And but people will do it; they don't need research; they just need to try. it. They'll feel it working their glutes, and everyone will love it. I didn't know there was this whole. Uh, you know, there's this saying by Arthur Schopenhauer, and it goes: all truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Um, second, it is violently opposed. Third, it is accept- accepted as self-evident. And then that there's other variations that work, and people say they will will say they've been doing it forever. And, <laughs> and so, it's interesting that that's if you ever do something remarkable you're going to have a lot of haters. And I think uh, a lot of my followers don't know this. They just, they probably think, Oh man, we love bread. Everyone loves bread. No, I've got I get more hate than almost almost anyone in the industry. I feel like, uh, more trash talkers, more, you know, uh, a couple months ago was this Facebook post with half the authors that I used to write with. And they used to send me their articles to proofread. And I see this thread where they're all bashing me and, and, and I I finally got on and said, what are you guys doing? You know, like, stop. It's, um, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a psycho, it's a psychology thing. It's not, it's a, it's interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon about humans. And so it's been a struggle for me to deal with that aspect of things because I want to promote the truth and I'm not afraid to debate. And I challenge these people, Hey, do you want to debate? because I have nothing to hide, they can call, call my methods, whatever, they say whatever they want and I'll defend it. And some, and I might agree with them on certain things, but I have nothing to hide, but they they don't debate, they don't, uh, and there's nothing that could change their minds. You could have, they could say like hip thrusts don't work, they don't do anything. And I could have like a thousand of my followers write to that person and say, you're so wrong. When I started doing hip thrusts, my glutes grew a ton. And I've never seen such good results and they'd never change their mind. It's so they're not scientific. They're just, they're zealots or either they're, you know, they're not, they, they're not scientific. They, if your mind can't change no matter what, then you're not a scientist. You're a, you're a charlatan, you're a zealot, you're whatever you're, 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 it's no, there's, and it's a waste of time. And a lot of them are just nasty, People and and there's this saying never wrestle with a pig because both of you get dirty and the pig loves it. So, <laughs> so
0: a lot fun. of times, I,
1: a lot of times, I try to um, avoid the drama, but it's hard for me because i I want to I want to change that person's mind, you know. But I have I have a on my keychain. What would the Rock do? I made that keychain, and it's not. I don't know The Rock, I don't know, he seems awesome, but I'm sure he's, uh, has <laughs> certain characteristics, just like most, uh, you know, like like alpha males, and you know, if you were like his best friend, you'd hear him complaining about certain things, I'm sure he gets screwed over, or just like everyone else does, I'm th- sure things happen, but you'd never know it on his social media, he's always positive, he's always, energetic, he highlights the good stuff and you love seeing his stuff because you know it's going to be, he's, he doesn't bring his draw, you know, he doesn't, and he's got a world-class PR team. I don't, you know, most of us fitness people don't. And so since you, since we don't have a PR team, it's best to look at successful people and say, well, what do they do? You know, if I, if every day I was like coming to my people being like, this person said this, let's get him, let's attack him. And I, I look dramatic, and it, it waters me down. I'm not saying that there's a time to do that if everyone's small, but you not too often, or else you're, a you know, you, you see those people, their lives are always dramatic. And it's like, you just start rolling your eyes. So I try to keep it positive.
0: Yeah, and you absolutely do. You know, last point on this is that, you know, I think people are innately um, attracted, both male and female to people that stand with significance and are caring. And you have both of those. And you know, you, you talk about the rock. I think he he has both of those in spades as well. People like positive people, but there's fear and fear of failure and a sense of vulnerability, weakness and jealousy that drive people to attack that. And I, I think you can just take from from your work that you're a force for good. You're impacting many people's lives. Uh, you're doing a fantastic job. And unfortunately, it's part of the territory when you have this level of quote unquote fame and awareness that uh, some people are not going to like it. But that's their shit, not yours. Um, yeah. But it doesn't mean it makes it any easier to deal with it, right? And I, I can only imagine it's uh, it's a challenge when you want people to not look at your work or look at you in a way which feels degrading or wrong. And you want to have, you know, connection with them. But you, you, can't, oh, you can't connect with everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's especially like, I, I never came out at this, like just some sleazy marketer trying to, you know, laugh my way to the bank and people are, you know, you know, say I was like a fraud and I just made stuff up and laughed my way to the bank. And if, I, if someone slammed me online, I just laugh and go, ah, what a, what a hater. I'm making so much more money than this guy. I, I like, I, that's not what drives me. What drives me is, uh, you know, I, I like being right. I, 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 I hate being, you know, I, I hate it if I'm leading my people down the wrong path. And so let's say, I, and I know I'm probably wrong about 30% of my beliefs right now. It's just the way science goes. We, 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 have, we have, we're operating under incomplete, uh, a, a picture, a, a, a I, I, we have limited knowledge on so much, a lack of research on so much, a limited understanding of so much. So, I'm probably wrong or incomplete about a third of the stuff I, I say right now and teach. I just hope I'm the one who teaches them that I was wrong instead of other people you know, doing it, because <laughs> then, then you know you can save face. But yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, I care about the science. So when people are always like, ah, who cares what they say you should care what people say. You just shouldn't let it ruin you. But if you're like, I always see people go, I could care less about what people think. And I'm like, I don't think that's good advice. Like, unless you want to live under a rock (laughs) and 10 of your closest people are telling you, or like three of your closest people are telling you the same thing. You better listen to them, you know, um, and take what they have in consideration or you're going to, you're going to be very lonely a lonely curmudgeon later in life, you know, so you have to listen to what people say and care what people think. And, uh, so it's hard for me to just, when someone, you know, says stuff, it's hard for me not to respond. But, uh, you know, once you reach a certain level of popularity, you'd spend your whole day responding to people if you did that. So it's, you just have to like learn to shrug it off, which has been that's one of my biggest struggles. It's learning to shrug that stuff off because it makes me so, so mad. Like, why is this person saying this? Especially like, the, like if it's some big powerlifting type guy and like he's just being a bully and it's like, if you came and worked out with me, like I'm six, 260 pounds. I'm a big guy too. And if we worked out together and I gave you hip thrusts, like, you know, say we did like, three sets of 15 or like a burnout with a banded hip with double banded hip thrust banner on the hips banner on the knees your glutes would be burning so bad especially if i made you use good form you would be uh, what are you going to do then say this doesn't work this does nothing come on and that's what bothers me but anyway uh you know it just it comes with the territory you got to learn how to how to deal with it but uh, a lot of people that tell me things like I ah, just um, shrug it off, or, or a lot of people that give me advice, I just I'm like, I don't think they understand. I don't think it would be they I don't think they've never had to deal with it. So it's not as easy as you think.
0: Exactly, exactly. Well, listen, there's only only love and curiosity on the mics today. So uh, let's go. Let's go down that path. Um, so Brett, um, obviously, you you've got the book Strong Curves. And you have your, your um, glute lab as well as the glute guy work that you have online. So people can look through your stuff and, you know, get a good baseline of your principles, both in terms of nutrition and training and glute development. But, you know, working with people and just looking at people's concerns or the their things that they focus on most, um, you know, the people I'm exposed to are not af- athletes or elites. Uh, these are everyday people, everyday women, uh, and they have struggles. So, um, I've got some questions that I've collated and let's see what we can get through. And if they're short answers, fantastic. If they need elaborating, then please go, go for it. So, um, the first question I had, uh, and I think this really talks to the real woman is that lots of women, lots of healthy women hormonally, and just, you know, just in good, in a good place, um, physiologically, are pear shaped in their distribution of fat, you know, just slightly, slightly high composition of body fat on the kind of the lower body. And I know that there are women that have dieted down and got lean, uh, based on body fat percentages, or how you would look at them and, you know, just observe their, their physique, yet they still have stubborn fat Around their fires and their butt. How do you, how do you handle that? How do you, how do you have, how do you program or support someone who doesn't necessarily want to either make their butt bigger um, or doesn't want to diet down any further just because their body fat percentage drops too low, but they have stubborn fat around their their glutes and their thighs is that life that they just have to accept that's their shape and you know if they diet down they'll just look gaunt on top or is there another answer
1: uh good question so first of all i want it to be known that like half of my competitors even the ones who uh i my I, I tr- I work with several people who are in the top 10 in the you know, miss B- bikini olympia contest all of them are shredded in the upper body, and they, you know, like six weeks out, their upper body is is, is shredded, and then they still have a lot of fat to lose in their lower body. That's 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 everyone. <laughs> so, um, and 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 you hear all these women saying like, "Well, I'm quad dominant, and well, I store so much fat in my lower body." It's all of them. It, but if you want to win Miss Bikini Olympia, you got to get down. I mean, I wish I knew the. The like BMI of all of them, like the average and, the, and then the ranges. Because you know, you'll have a, a, a five foot, uh, five foot seven female that weighs 111 pounds on stage and they're shredded. They, if you work with these women in, in person, they look sickly in the gym. Um, backstage, you see all these girls, they have no butts, their butts disappear, they're so lean. And then they get on stage and they look amazing. It's the the, the the lighting and the the you know the upwards angle and all they gotta do, they pose properly. You've gotta be shredded and all the little cuts come out and it makes their glutes look huge and it's the way they pose and it's 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 the it's the whole, you know, the the tan, the the, the posing, the oil, the you know, it's little tricks, but they they that uh, it makes women think that they, a lot of women think, oh, those girls walk around looking like that year round. They don't. They, You can only be like that for, uh, uh, you know, well, it's only, it's not even wise to be like that year round. You, you want to be there to peak for the competition and then come back up a little bit to a healthier range. But so many women, they're not really quad dominant. <clears throat> they just have never gotten as lean as they need to be when you get lean, that's what I tell all the girls, every one of these bikini Olympians do squats. When you're that lean, when you're that small, your, your quads aren't too big. Usually if they look just right, it's that it's really hard to get down to the weight that, and, and so that I don't, I actually don't like that look in person. I like a more fuller look. That's more sustainable. Um, now, but, but, but but with that said, there obviously, if you look at the population, there are just all different types. And that, that's what nobody talks about is genetics. And I've done so much research on genetics, uh, not only the genetics of muscle building, but the genetics of fat loss. There's genetic component to everything, everything you can imagine. The genetic component to exercise enjoyment, to pain tolerance, to uh, um. Uh, how you respond to overfeeding. Um, and, it, you know, it's crazy. Some people, you, you overfeed them and they fidget and they pace back and forth and they, they're neat, their non exercise activity thermogenesis goes way up and they don't gain much weight. Other people don't. Uh, it, there's, it's so fascinating, um, you, you know, the, the genetics of, of the genetic component to fitness adaptations. But, you see, you just need to go to a, a public place like a mall or a, um, a game or, you know, to the beach or something and just you know, the airport, just watch people and you'll see all ty- all, all types of, of body shapes and sizes. And so, yes, every once in a while you'll come across someone who, you know, it's like, if you took a picture of them from the waist up and then the waist down, they look like two different people. They've got like a small upper body and, a, a large lower body with huge legs. And so can that person ever win the Bikini Olympia? No, but the, we all need to, uh, and <laughs> I work with so many competitors that I'll tell them like, you know, th- they'll, they'll get third place and they're upset. And I'm like, you got, you just placed the best you've placed. And they're like, yeah, but I want to win so I can compete in the Olympia. And I'm like, well, <clears throat> what about then when you compete in Olympia, will you be happy? No, you'll only be happy when you win. And then when when you win, you really won't be happy. Um, they think that they will, but they're 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 chasing this thing that is unattainable. They they don't. You you have to learn to be content with yourself. Some some of my people can't get glutes to save their life. They follow my system and they don't. Not everyone I train gets amazing glutes. There's a huge genetic component to glutes. Glutes genetics are like 60% of it. So. I just tell these people like you have to like, look at me. I'm, I'm content with myself, but I, I, I would, could never win a bodybuilding contest. I don't have the, the, I can never get, if I had to get lean enough to compete in bodybuilding, I'm six, four 260 I'd have to probably be 190. I'd have to lose like 65 pounds and I'd have no legs. <laughs> I, to get that lean to, to be on stage, I'd be, I'd look terrible. And so, Uh, But it doesn't define me. I I think when you have a purpose and when you're, when, you know, you're succeeding in other areas of life and you're helping people, then you can learn to be okay with yourself. But when you're only concerned about your physique and you just obsess about it, then it can uh, consume you. So I try to get them to just be like, look, let's be the best version of you. And let's get strong. Let's get fit. Let's work on your diet. Let's be inching our way towards the goals. Let's figure out something sustainable so you don't just yo-yo. And will will this person ever be on the cover of a magazine? Maybe not, but they can look better and better, you know, for you know year in and year out, and keep improving upon themselves and learn to and get very strong and get very fit. Uh, we all weren't meant to be. <laughs> bodybuilding um you know physique competitors but we can you know we can you can still be look at these athletes you know you have these like physique editions for like sports illustrator where the athletes will get naked and 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 pose for pictures and they're confident (laughs) some of them don't look so good and they strut their stuff because they're the best shot putter in the world or the best lineman in the world and so they (laughs) <laughs> and their physique matches their sport. So that's what I wish more people were like, you know, just proud of how hard. Like, I don't – my glutes aren't the biggest in the world, but I train them so hard, and you know, I'm so proud of them because of how hard I've worked to get there. So that that, that shapes my opinion of my glutes. Is like, look, I wasn't born to look amazing for, with glutes, and I, but I worked my butt off for it, and now, now I'm proud of them even though they're not they're not a perfect 10 or whatever
0: so i i agree with a lot what you've just said i think being being not content because content sounds um lazy or like you've um given in to uh, who you are and in many cases the the shape you're in is not the shape the best shape you can be and that's that that is for a lot of women and a lot of men, they can improve their physique enormously from where they're at. So being content is, I I think, perhaps a little too, a little too weak. uh, And, you know, to suggest genetics are going to rule all. But what I do feel is, you know, this this movement around, uh, you know, a fuller bum, bigger, bigger glutes, I think is great, because it's accentuating the natural curves of a woman, uh, without trying to, you know, promote a stick thin, unattainable model the challenge comes with when when you've got women that have as you say have got a genetic propensity to be uh a leaner and more proportionate distribution of fat across their body so they can lean down and slim down that's great and then they want to build their glutes so they then you know, kind of they work towards building the fullness back in 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 their butt but for women that don't have that problem that aren't genetically or haven't conditioned themselves to be uh th- quote unquote thin, they don't have the issue of trying to build their butt up and, you know, you know, implant it or get it bigger or, you know, just, you know, yearn for a bigger butt. A lot of women actually want it to be, want their butts to be smaller, but they just want uh, a better proportion um across their entire body and around their thighs and, and their butt. So when we think about, uh, you know, glute and thigh recomposition. We do know that recomposition generally is possible for a lot of people to reduce fat and build muscle, uh, maybe in a phased approach. But when you've got someone who's been at it for a while, training hard, whether they're doing the wrong training or not, maybe doing lots of cardio, maybe they've done lots of hit sessions, maybe done loads of class-based training, maybe they're now finding strength training, but they feel that they're up against it and have and uh, have been unable to unlock the the door to shaping their lower half the way they want. Are we saying it is what it is, except your uh, natural beauty, which I'm sure most women don't want to hear. <laughs> they They want to remove a little bit more jiggle. Or can we say, actually, here are some practical steps that you can take beyond what you're currently doing, both in the gym and in the kitchen, that is going to recompose your glutes and your thighs without looking incredibly gaunt on the top half. And I know this is the difficult question, Brett, so I'm not trying to kind of, you know, f- have you fall into a trap, because I know there's no perfect answer. But what is your answer when people are saying, I really just want to target my thighs, and butt, and I want to just lose a little bit more fat and get them a bit more toned up, but I'm all, I'm already lean, generally speaking.
1: Okay. So a uh, co- couple things come to mind. I'm not aware if you can, I don't believe, like we all have a genetic propensity to store fat in certain places. <clears throat> um, so yeah. And th- those stubborn areas are the last places to, to come off when you're dieting down and getting ripped. Um, they're the most frustrating and everyone, some people have it in the, you know, abs, some people on the thighs, back of the arms back. I have low back fat and that's the last probably, I'll, I'll look amazing. And I still have low back fat. Um, but, uh, but we're all unique. It's the same thing with muscles. I, you know, I don't have to work hard to have nice calves and pecs, but, uh, glutes and hamstrings, it's hard for me to build, you know, and, and delts and stuff. So I've had to work really hard on those. So, um, we're all unique in that, but I don't think you can take someone like the extremes that we're talking about. Like if they're lean in the upper body, but have a ton of fat in the lower body, can you get them to be more evenly distributed? I don't think so. I think you can, you have to cut down, you have to diet down and then you'll end up being just even leaner up top and then leaner at the bottom. But but what I can say in training so many people in person is I, I I've worked with so many people who, and I even made an image on this in 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 a, in my Strong Curves book because I want people to know that. So that here's what they think in their mind. They the, a lot of times and it's funny because there's a car, a caricature that's awesome. I have it in my slideshow when I do presentations when I do my Glute Lab seminars. And, uh, but you can probably find it online with a simple search. It's, it's like shows a a man and he's like chunky and out of shape. And he's looking in the mirror and what he sees in the mirror is jacked dude. And then the woman is actually really fit, looks amazing. And she's looking in the mirror and she sees this, you know, overweight, um, woman staring back at her and it cracks me up because you know, me and my, a lot of my guy friends, we can, like right now I'm 260 pounds. I'm kind of chunky right now, but I, I like, say I wake up in the morning and flip on the lights and I'm looking at, in the mirror at my body. I just ignore the central region <laughs> with my belly and, or maybe I suck it in and puff out my chest and I'll just look at my quads and my, my, my delts and my traps and my pecs. And I'll be like, you know, God, I look like a tank right now. I look like I can destroy people. (laughs) Like that's what I say to myself. (laughs) But a woman's not gonna. Most women don't look in the mirror and be like, "Look at the, like, Trapzilla." You know, reporting for duty here. Like, look at those quads. Like, they. they, It's just a different. um, There are cultural societal influences that shape how they feel they should look. Because me, the the stronger I get in any muscle, the better I look. And, and let's say I my traps started growing, and I disproportionate traps or biceps or quads or anything. You you look You look cool. They're like, wow, look at those guy, That guy's quads. But for women, they have to stay in better proportion. There are certain muscles that they typically want to build more of, and not and other muscles not so much. For example, most women want to build their glutes but they don't want to build their forearms, their neck, their traps, their calves. Um, I shouldn't say calves, because some women need bigger calves, but they don't tend to focus on th- that much on those areas as guys do. Um, but anyway, I've worked with so many women, and they think that they look in the mirror and they'll say, okay, I've, I'm carrying too much fat in this in my butt and thighs. So I need to do cardio to lose that fat, and then once I lose all that fat, I'll look, you know, it's cardio and starve myself. And then once I lose all that fat, I'll look amazing. The problem is you don't keep all your muscle. Let's say you just starve yourself and do a ton of cardio and you lose 50 pounds. Maybe you lose 25 pounds of fat and 25 pounds of muscle. Or, you know, maybe it's uh, 30 pounds of fat and 20 pounds of muscle, but you don't keep that shape. If you want to keep that shape, uh, that muscle, then you've got to diet down slower. You can't just crash diet. Uh, you can't lose 50 pounds in, in, you know, two months. You've got to take, you know, a year to lose that 50 pounds. You've got to strength train the whole time and you've got to eat more intelligently and, you know, especially get your protein in and, uh, and then you retain more muscle. And what you're really after is to lose just fat. And the, the but the methods they choose to go about it would be incorrect for their goals because they would lose too much muscle. and then they'd they'd still be skinny fat. Once they got down to their target weight, they wouldn't be happy with the way they look because they wouldn't have the shape that they want. So when we say you know these women are going after weight loss, that they should be going is after fat loss. and when you're going after fat loss, it's you have to be muscle sparing. and to be muscle sparing, and shape sparing you have to be doing resistance training and training really hard and consuming enough protein and 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 training more intelligently you don't just go in and wing it you have to have a strategy and so when i work with people i can help them see the results way better than they can on their own because i know what i'm doing
0: i think that's i think that's good sound advice and it it, it just encourages a uh, maybe a persistence to follow the 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 tried and true principles, Uh, there isn't a silver bullet, (laughs) or a very specific way to get after recomposition of a body area. I I assume that's what you would say. uh, But I don't think that probably leaves people whole when they think of going, you know, things are tight here, there and everywhere. But when it comes to my fires, there's, there's this jiggle I don't want to have anymore and i'm not talking about the extremes of people that have completely disproportionate bodies but those who when they look in the mirror or when they you know they they feel the tightness of their legs and their glutes they just know or want to have a little bit more firmness and i think firmness is going to come from greater muscle development in those areas um but that fat that just doesn't want to go <laughs> cuz nature decided that's where it should stay and for women to hold on to 20% of body fat is healthy, right? Getting below is typically unhealthy. Um, so I I think they're just up against it genetically and from a nature perspective, but persistence in developing muscle in those areas. And just, as you say, focusing on, on a sustained effort through time to lose some fat is probably the way to go. It just isn't the most sexy of answers. Absolutely. Cool. Listen, you, you spoke about cardio briefly. Um, what's your what's your kind of summarized view on cardio steady state typically especially running is it is it something that women should be doing as much as they are doing currently or do you think there should be some level of dialing down yeah so again the, no one talks about
1: genetics here people will have a black and white stance on this they'll say everyone should be doing running it's good for your heart it's functional. If you're not running, you're missing out or no one should do any running. It's pounding on your joints and it's a lot of wear and tear and it doesn't shape the body whatsoever. It, it, it It's and you get it fit, you get more efficient at it over time. So it doesn't burn as much fat as you think. And so they tend to be black or white. Well, uh, most things there are shades of gray. So the, here's the deal. Let, like, let's say you have great genetics for shape and muscle and glutes. Take someone like J-Lo, for example, who's, you know, came out of the womb with glutes. Take JLo and give her tons of cardio and high intensity interval training and she doesn't have to get freakishly strong, she just has to have a really good diet and do tons of cardio. And guess what, once she gets down in weight, uh, She's going to look amazing because she'll have these curves. But that's – most people aren't JLo. they – most of us and, – and that's the same with certain guys who can – a lot of these ripped dudes, you look at their workouts and they're doing just tons of interval training and circuits and stuff. And most of us have to put on muscle. We don't have that shape naturally. So if you're like me and had no glutes – and it's sometimes muscle-specific, too, so you might have good muscles in some areas and not in others, then you have to work harder, not work harder for it, work smarter for it, so, because running is hard. <laughs> uh, 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 but, uh, so, it just depends on your natural physique. Look at most runners, when you're driving around, over the next couple of weeks, really pay attention to the people you see running up and down the street. Most of those people do not have the physique that your the listeners are probably going for because running doesn't put on muscle. It doesn't build muscle. it's an endurance activity and what muscles are getting you know the upper body muscles aren't being worked much. The lower body muscles you've got calves, you've got you know some some activation uh, glute medius but is the glute max firing at, at you know depends on how fast you're running so uh, but it's 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 not like weight training where you're shaping muscle and so and i i have uh in my opinion when you go running a lot of times it works on your appetite too so you end up eating less um and that's how you see good results from it it's not just the running in in and of itself it's its effect on appetite but i'm not a huge fan of tons of cardio unless you love it if you love it then great or if you're a competitor and like like a triathlete, then you have to do it. But if you're just going for physique gains, um, then I think you don't need to do as much cardio as people think. You need to prioritize your weight training, and you can actually see really good results just just being just lifting weights and eating healthy. And then you can just do cardio, like go on walks, do the cardio you like doing. Go on walks or play a game, play a sport, play do something where you're active, but don't Don't just get on the treadmill or the Stairmaster every day and slave, be a slave to these things. If you don't enjoy it.
0: I think that's well said. Yeah, I, I concur completely. I I believe some people are built for endurance. They love endurance. It actually de-stresses them. They feel calm. Uh, they, they get into flow state, um, and they're comfortable with the way their body looks or, you know, they might not be ecstatic, but they're comfortable you know, slimmer, perhaps, Uh, they might not have as much shape, but they're slim, they're not hold, you know, the body, the the, the Wayne scales report a good number, and that's sufficient. Um, But I agree, if you just look at the extreme of endurance, you look at um, marathon runners, and, you know, um, people that just do lots of running, you know, the physique is generally up and down pretty, pretty straight, uh, guys and girls. And if that's not the physique you're after, and you do want more shape, Um, running on a kind of chronic and perpetual basis is probably not that beneficial. But some people love it, and you can't deter them from it. And hey, if you're getting that emotional psychic value, go for it. But just don't expect what you love to always be what you need. Okay, and I've got I've got one one or so last question. Brett, and that's about glute, uh, glute sensation and activation. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna refer to my wife for a second here. I'll just give you some context. Um, She finds it very hard to get a feeling or sensation generally in her glutes, but she does all the kind of glute-specific work. So when she does squats, well, squats is a bit of a sore subject for her because she just doesn't enjoy the movement. Uh, Any, any squat with weight just feels either uncomfortable, or she doesn't feel particularly strong. Uh, She feels compromised in the movement, you know, she leans over fairly excessively. So and she doesn't feel anything in her glutes, she feels it almost exclusively in her quads. And um, it just doesn't seem to be giving her the response she would expect consider everyone says just use your glutes and you can feel them firing. So she doesn't feel them in her squats. And then in uh, kind of weighted hip thrusts, she quite often feels the sensation predominantly in her hamstrings, and then as as you work through some of the work, other exercises, she feels them in some of the kickbacks, some of the abduction things. She can feel the kind of side bum a little bit working, but generally, she feels a lack of connection, that mind muscle connection between her and her glutes really firing. And she's someone who needs to feel the pump, feel the work, you know, the sweat the effort, the low rest period, she's trying to feel the exercise working in the moment. And she just doesn't get that feedback. How can what, what are your thoughts on that? Is that again, it is what it is? Or is there drills, activation or specific type of workout formats that can help people get stronger sensation and feeling with, uh, you know, glute work? Uh, God, I have so many thoughts on this, and I'm,
1: I'm, I hope I don't leave anything out because all these things were coming to mind when you were talking. So, first of all, um, we Brad Schoenfeld and I just published a study uh, on the mind muscle connection, showing you got better results focusing on the muscle compared to just trying to move the weight with biceps. Okay, um, there's also a study uh, on you know showing that glute activation actually works on areas of the brain that then helps you use the glutes more during, you know, more complex movements. So there is evidence for the mind-muscle connection and, and activation work and focusing on the muscle. And bodybuilders have been saying this forever, so you should. But here's the deal. Think about what I was saying earlier when the only exercises that were popular for glutes were squats and lunges and, you know, Romanian deadlifts. I feel squats in my quads. I feel lunges in my quads. I feel RDLs in my, and stiff legs in my hammies. Yeah, I can, like, I know my glutes are contracting, but they aren't the limiting factors. Now, the day after doing lunges, my glutes are sore as hell from being stretched, but I don't, I don't get a burn or a pump or feel like they were the limiting factor with any of those. But that was what was popular back in the day. And I did them and my glutes grew and I never once, like. I don't think, I mean, from when I was 15 years old and started lifting and, and, and till I was like, probably like, well, I think I was 30 when I thought up hip thrusts. So yeah, I was 30 years old. So I don't know if I ever felt a glute burner pump. Um, we didn't do, you know, we, we just didn't train that way. And my glutes grew just fine. I had had muscular glutes from squatting, deadlifting, lunging. So on the one hand, I want to tell people that's okay. You can still grow your glutes. Just focus on progressive overload and do the best you can. But on the other hand, I specialize in – when people come to my seminars, I take those people who say they can never feel their glutes, and I make it my mission to get them to feel their glutes. And I always succeed because I've got this large arsenal of – this large toolbox, this large arsenal of tricks where I can say, okay, let's try this, let's try this. And it's kind of funny, when when you help people feel their glutes, they love you. Huh. So I'll, I'll do like 10 things, I'll be like, okay, in a hip thrust, for example, okay, let's try this. No, that's worse. Okay, okay, let's try this. Nope, okay, let's try this. Nope, and then like the ninth thing, I'll be like, okay, try this. And they're like, oh my God. I feel it. Oh my God, you're a genius. And it's like I failed nine times, but you still become <laughs> a genius. So I love it. And that's a, a challenge. That's that's fun for me because I like being challenged. But um, but it's it's different for everyone. Not everyone is gonna fill their glutes with any one exercise. Take any exercise, barbell hip thrust. Probably one in three people don't feel it that much in their glutes, they feel in their quads or their hammies. You know, some people fill their glutes with Romanian deadlifts, others don't. Some people fill their glutes ton- working hard during back extensions, others don't. What's important is that you find a few exercises that you do fill your glutes, and include those in your routine. But you the the beginning of the workout should be focusing on progressive overload, on some basic movements that f- work well with your body, whether it's a type of squat or hip thrust or leg press or deadlift or something like that you know you want to be utilizing progressive overload trying to set PRS and progressive overload doesn't just mean heavier weight it could just be doing another set or or, or uh, doing more reps with the same weight but then towards the end of your workout that's when it's may be wise to try to go for the the burn of the pump they're they're probably not as important as people think they are you know there's more recent research showing that You know, we think the mechanisms for growing muscle are mechanical tension, metabolic stress, and muscle damage, but the latter two mechanisms have been criticized and are kind of under scrutiny right now. They're definitely not as important as mechanical tension, and they might not, they might just be sensations that are indicative of a good workout, but that you don't have to have them to grow the muscle. So, but I do think, you know, right now, based on my current knowledge and understanding of hypertrophy, I use the shotgun approach. So I do want people feeling the burn and getting it. And and, and because they like it and it, it it's nice for you to drive off from the gym with your glutes still burning or pumped. And that they like that. So And, and when they like it, there's more buy-in. And they're more um, psyched and pumped about the workout. And they're going to have more confidence in you. And so you want that. You want that. So you want to try to find things they can do. But it's not it, – it, it, so it's kind of like, on the one hand, you tell them it's okay if you can't fill your glutes, you can still grow them. And on the other hand, you then keep trying to ha- find ways. And I've had one client who it took like 10 months for her to fill her glutes working well in a glute bridge and hip thrust. But after 10 months, they'd bring tears to her eyes, they'd burn so bad. So it can be, it can be built upon and improved over time with focus.
0: Okay, well, that's that that is a great answer. So. Training um, in training with a hip hinge in movement, but not feeling your glutes doesn't mean they're not working. I guess is what you're saying. So, like, keep doing that and keep progressively overloading. But at the same time, if you enjoy the immediate feedback, and a lot of people do, a lot of women do especially want the immediate feedback that they're working hard enough. If you need that psychically within your workout, then seeking that through some kind of high rep you know, focused, lighter weight stuff, assistant stuff, uh, you saying might add some value, uh, but it will add more emotional value than anything. And that's important is, is, uh, did I get my summary of that? Right?
1: Yeah, you nailed it. And, and one, one last anecdote, I remember I had a client that uh, she, she always, uh, she felt hip to us in her quads. And so, but she loved feet elevated, uh, heel elevated glute bridges. Those burned her glutes like crazy, and a lot of times with EMG, when you when you test people with EMG, electromyography, they they're right. They'll say I feel this more than this, and they're right. You'll test them, they go, yep, you're right. I like a wide stance more. I feel it more in my glutes. Yep, you're right. But sometimes they're wrong. And in this case, heavy hip thrusts activated her glutes more than anything. It's just that they also activated her quads so much. It's like the quads were screaming so loud the glutes couldn't, <laughs> like you couldn't hear the glutes. So. <laughs> It doesn't mean it's not good for the glutes. It just means a lot of times, you know, a lot, a lot of these good exercises work a ton of muscles. So you've got screaming from everywhere. It's hard to pay attention to what's going on with the, with one muscle.
0: I, I think that's right. I mean, if I, if I think of my Romanian deadlifts, um, I think part of it's because I'm probably going too heavy. But when I do Romanian deadlifts, I feel it mostly in my back. Now, if I go light enough, I can feel it in my hamstrings. Um but that sensation doesn't necessarily mean that the muscles I'm targeting aren't working. It just means that maybe my dominant muscles are taking the brunt of the the work. Uh, and therefore that's where I'm feeling. At least that's my kind of um Yeah, that's and, my and assumption.
1: But there's a time and place sometimes it's good to go and do heavier RDLs, even if you don't feel you even if you feel mostly in your back. And then sometimes it's good to go lighter. That's what I love about designing programs. There's so many ways to design good programs and, and, uh, but there are definitely better, better ways than others. And that's what I love about my, for example, my booty by Brett program. I get to help people reach their goals, but switch things around each month. So it's different, but it's the same movement patterns, but it's just different, a different organization of every, of, of, of everything, different exercise, Variations and rep ranges and orders and focuses and tempos and you know strategies and so they can keep seeing results and it's still
0: fun and interesting. It sounds like a, a lot of women I know would probably love that program. So we'll make sure we will put some links to that um, on the show notes. So as we close now, Brett, um, we've spoken about a bunch of things and um, hopefully it's been useful for the listeners. But if you had to it's difficult question. If you had to summarize some key pieces of advice that you want people to take away from today's discussion, what would you leave uh, these these women with? Two or three things that you think are, you know, fundamental to um, achieving their body and physique goals. What would you leave them with? Well, um, I would say that you want to
1: have so we have a yo-yo problem problem in in the world and in america and so um yes you can crush it for three months and look amazing and then if you then if you gain it all back uh, you know how enjoyable is life when you're you're only happy during a few months out of the year when you look good and you can't sustain it how nice it is is it to like the way you look year round, and be comfortable with your body, and um, and so for this reason, I, I like you know you got to think of adherence and and sustainability. So you can't be so extreme; it's not sustainable, you know. So your diet, you need to have flexible dieting principles and flexible training principles that allow you to you know adapt on the fly. And but you can still reach your goals, and so that's why I'm a fan of flexible dieting, I'm a fan of flexible training. You know, if you're feeling this way, do this instead, do this. But each week, you need to do the here are the mandatories, here are the optionals, and uh, and you need to learn how to how to modify based on how you're feeling, and based on your situation, and based on your logistics. And so, if people started thinking more of a lot more long term and in terms of what's what's Okay, great, you're working out seven days a week for three hours, how, how, and, and you're eating only clean foods, and you're eating 1,200 calories a day, and you, your cravings are insane. You're setting yourself up for failure. That will only last for so long. You've got to find ways to incorporate things you enjoy into your diet. You've got to learn how to, how to you know, not, you know, life, life happens, and so some days you can't make it to the gym. All day long, and and so you really want to focus on sustainability and happiness. Happiness comes when you're I always say this. like I can look I can look amazing, and my physical appearance can be great. I have to totally focus on it for a couple of months. I can also have really good inner peace and work on my stress and my sleep and my positivity. I've got to focus on it for a couple of months (laughs) and I can also crush it in business and be like killing it on Instagram, on social media with, you know, and you can watch my, my bank account rise, but I can't do all three at once. (laughs) That's, that's the challenge for me. It's like, so how can I do a good job with all three where I'm satisfied and happy, but maybe, maybe, uh, I've been doing good in this area. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on this area for a while. Okay. Now I am slacking on this area. I'm going to work on this and so happiness comes from when when you're content and doing the you know having a purpose and doing you've got to learn to be happy with your body even if you don't look like you know a Greek god or goddess. You've got to learn to be you know you want to be driven like what you said not content but driven. You you know I'm not content now with things but but i'm happy and and you know and i i'm ha- at least happier than i've been in the past and because my identity comes from more than just my physique my identity comes from how many people i'm helping and and uh you know and now i'm an empo- employer and i have i have people who depend on me and i have it's uh you you got to work on all areas of your life not just gl- you know if your whole happiness comes from what your glutes look like and you know, you, you gotta be deeper than that. And so, but, but to think more long-term and think more, more about sustainability, um, it's really hard because it took me 20 years to do that. And so if some of the listeners can do that quicker, for example, I used to train, I'd hurt myself and I'd try and train through it. And then I'd hurt myself worse. It's, uh, something I've had to listen to, you know, and, and fight for a long time. especially when you're working out and you're warmed up, your body's telling you, push the pedal, the metal. You have to be smarter and and know that and override your body, your brain, what it's telling you and say, no, I'm going home. I'm going to take it easy. But that takes a long time. That takes a lot of maturity.
0: Yeah, and psychology is a a complex matter. And the point you made about um, guys or, or some guys being able to look in the mirror and say, I like you, maybe I even love you but I want you to be better. It's very different to uh, say a woman looking in the mirror and going, I hate you, or I would just wish I looked different. I will be satisfied when I look this. Um, And I can say, honestly, that I look in the mirror and say, for the most part, yeah, you're doing all right, Steve, doing all right. But I want you to be better. And this is how we're going to get after it. And it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, I'm paying homage and paying it forward to my future self, getting excited about, the better version of myself I'm creating, but I love myself in the moment. And then that's the place we need to be right we need to find a way to enjoy who we are. And accept, as you've said that, you know, the pendulum is going to swing as much as we'd love balance where every single element is just perfect in our lives from, you know, our relationships to our work, to our physique, to our wellness, uh, to our mindset. The reality is if you want to get great at something, the pendulum has got to shift temporarily, to almost an obsessional nature with that thing. And then hopefully you, you've learned a few skills, you develop a few things, you, you kind of get the goals you want, and then you then build up that muscle memory to allow yourself to pull back, and then focus maybe a, bit, a little bit more on your kids or a little bit more on your business. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. And I'd love to say, you can have all things all the time. But the reality is, you can't have lots of great things all at the same time, you have to choose. And if women can, women that do struggle with self love, can find that inner game, that mindset of acceptance, but aspiration to being better, that's the place to be and then get in the gym, follow your, your principles. I think they'll be in a good spot. That was good. Good, good advice. Brett. I really appreciate that, man. So Brett, there's I'm going to put in the show notes, your obvious places online where people can find you. But someone who's just heard this, and they're feeling inspired by you, they're excited about maybe getting to see some of your work. Where is the best place for them to start? And I don't just mean a website URL, but you've got so much content, articles through the years, books, you know, various websites. Where should the the person just finding you spend their time? What's the one piece of content they should start with first to get that good grounding? It used
1: to be my blog, but blogging isn't as cool as it was back in the day. Um, So now it's Instagram. And, you know, I try to post stories and, um, you know, keep people up to date with my life. And I and that's my latest beliefs and ideas. So I'm most active on Instagram. I have a newsletter, I don't I don't send it out too often. I never spam people with Stuff. It's just like once or twice a month. Like here's what I'm up to. Here's some new content, and um, you know here's a, a new seminar I'm doing, or here's something like that. So uh, th- and that you can access all of them from my blog. If you don't remember my name, Brett Contreras. If you just type into Google the Glute Guy, my blog will come up, BrettContreras.com. From there, you can find Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't use Facebook and Twitter much anymore, but um, uh, I'm trying to YouTube more often. And I'm trying to blog here and there, but I used to blog so much. Now I don't blog as much, but I'd like to get back to that. But then that's where you can also find my newsletter, um, subscribe to my newsletter from there too, which in which case I update, but send out about like probably once or twice a month.
0: Cool. And should people pick up your book? Is your book still relevant and a good grounding for people if they, they like a read?
1: Um, no, I'm actually working on a new
0: book called
1: The Glute Lab and it's... Uh, gonna I need to post about it. It's uh um it's gonna be uh well it's actually you can order it on Amazon right now pre um pre-order. Okay. But I need to post about that. But that's gonna be I think it's coming out in uh like May or something. And it's I've been working on it for an entire year with my co-author Glenn Cordoza and that's that's gonna be an amazing book. I'm so proud of it even though it's not ready yet. We're still a couple months out but it's going to be incredible. So that's what I'm like that's going to be a more up to date version of uh of my methods and and it's and more comprehensive. So the book's called Glute Lab it'll be on
0: Amazon. That's what uh wait for that or I'll go pre-order it. Oh, I'm excited. I'm sure uh, my wife Michelle is going to get that pre-ordered right away. Listen man, I appreciate you massively both in terms of the time you've offered today at such a late time your time as well as just the work you do and and knowing that the work you will continue to do will both inspire and educate people across the world man so listen from from deep down i really appreciate um all you've given today and i can't wait to see your journey unfold over the next few years man thank you brett thank you for having me on steve this was great guys i hope you enjoyed that conversation with brett and look i I just think he's brilliant he's such a good guy so humble so caring and adding so much value. So look, if you haven't checked him out, go check out his Instagram as a minimum. And he's on Brett Contreras one, and I'll make sure that's in the show notes. So that just leaves me to say, until next time, adaptation is all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength, health and mindset inside and out. Take care. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And, of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Nation.